my baby sister who lives in New York with my other eight siblings said to me that I needed to have something to represent Black History Month, a tie or something. And I didn't have any, so I thought I'd call two good black men in the church, Michael Martin and O'Fors Elder, if I can borrow a tie, and they don't have any. So I don't know how good they are in terms of having the appropriate attire. But without the kinte cloth, which I think is made in Korea anyway, <laughs> so much for black history, um, you will still be able to get this message today. It's the second part of the two-part message on the curse. And I'm glad to see Doug walking in to sit next to his mother. You may not recognize it, but if you look at all bases in the world, including Vern from Earth, Wind, and Fire, Doug must be the coolest basis of all. <laughs> Thank you, Doug, for the way you sit so calmly and play the bass. When he plays, you know, sometimes a song comes into my head. I don't know why, Sister Pam. Play that funky music, white boy. <laughs> But then I realized he's, he's, Doug is a black guy, so <laughs> I just can't say that. But we're truly glad that you made it your duty to be here today. Father in heaven, just speak your truth. Take me out of the way. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. The problem with history is largely one of who tells it and how it is told. In part one of this series, we learned that the Bible does not describe Onesimus, the runaway slave, as a black man. Yet, in the American slave story, many white preachers use this story to tell black runaway slaves to return to their masters. Thus, thus reinforcing the right to own slaves. It matters who tells the story. Even for biblical history. Let me say that again. It matters who tells the story even for biblical history. Also in part one of the curse, we learned that Noah did not curse Ham, his son, but rather he cursed Ham's son, Canaan, his grandson. 
We learned these two things from this story. One, it was Noah who pronounced a curse and not God. And two, Canaan, the grandson who was cursed, became very prosperous and wealthy. Yes, Canaan, who was cursed, built a prosperous country named after him called the Promised Land. So much for being cursed. In this Black History Month, we want people of ALL, all colors. Can everybody say all? All, all colors. To resist the false narrative that people of color are cursed and hence made no significant contributions to biblical history or the world as we know it. Dr. Martin McMichael, a preacher and professor, presents a case of the negative effects of minimization of the contributions of blacks in the Bible. He cites as Exhibit A, Acts chapter 13. You may have read it, like I've read it several times, but was not aware as to what it was actually saying. Acts 13, here's what it says. Now they were in the church that was Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Mahin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetra and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, who everybody said? The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. The Holy Ghost said, now who is he talking to? He said, separate Barnabas and Saul. Separate them. And listen to what Acts 13 verse 3 says. And when they had prayed and fasted and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence sailed to Cyprus. Mr. First Elder, 
We know when hands are laid, what do we call it? An ordination. Saul and Barnabas are being ordained. They're being set apart by the Holy Ghost. Dr. McMickle, in an insightful way, pointed out a very important fact. That if we travel the world, Sister Matis, we will see many monuments and places and schools and buildings named after Paul and Barnabas. Right here in the U.S., if we just want to go to Minnesota, we may want to stop at St. Paul, a city named after Paul the Apostle. St. Barnabas High School in Woodlawn Heights, Bronx, New York. Named after Barnabas. All over the Christian world, there are churches and schools named after Paul and Barnabas. And you saying, preacher, what's your point? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Here is what Acts 13.1 says. And Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. Now let me ask you. First, let me tell you. In the original translation, Niger is translated black. When they wrote Acts, they made the point that Niger was a black man. And Simeon, that was called Niger. They identified Simeon by his color. And Lucius of Cyrene. Where is Cyrene? Modern day Libya. So here we have. The Bible says, the Holy Ghost said of Barnabas and Saul to Lucius of Cyrene and, and Simeon of Niger to lay hands on them. In other words, if you missed it, Barnabas and Saul were ordained to the ministry by two black men. Something hidden right in plain sight. It's there in the Bible. Now let me ask you the question I was going to ask. Do you know any places, schools, buildings, cities that are named after Simeon of Niger and Lucius of Cyrene? No, you don't. It matters who tells the story. It does matter. This matter because this matters rather because of the false narrative that says people of color has or had no significance in the history of the Bible. The book of Acts largely tells the story of the early church, including its launch at the day of Pentecost. 
It talks about Paul's beginning of his missionary journey. And many people can appreciate the names of Paul and Barnabas. This is a big deal that they were ordained by two men of color. Genesis 10 brings to us Ham. And as I told you the last time, he stayed close to the river Nile, close to the equator, and hence he maintained his pigmentation. And folk have often asked, how come these three brothers from the same mother and the same father could be so varied in terms of what we have today? Let me remind you that the entire population of the world came from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. There's no denying it. Yet look at the many races we have today. Let me share a little personal history. My great-grandfather, Kenneth was his name, or my grandfather's name was Kenneth. My great-grandfather was a teacher in a place called Bartica in Guyana. And just like America where you have Native Americans, Guyana has Native Indians, Amerindians, different tribes. And my great-grandfather met a young Amerindian lady, and that produced my grandfather. Now, this is what she would have looked like. This is not her picture. But this is what an Amerindian woman looks like in Guyana. That is the kind of person my great-grandfather would have had for his wife. And they produced my grandfather. That's my mother, and you can begin to see some resemblance of my mother with some Amerindian features, cheekbones. And of course, that's me and my mother. Look at my complexion. Can you see it? And look at this young lady's complexion. That's just four generations. Just four generations. And look at the changes. And we wonder how three brothers moving to different parts of the world can create in such a way. Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the world-renowned astrophysicist who happens to be African-American, makes a very interesting point on this matter. Here's what he says. He articulated with anthropological and archaeological studies that had already discovered all life began in Africa. However, Dr. Tyson added that since life began in Africa, and Mr. Fursella, you'll appreciate this, the greatest diversity 
will also be found in Africa. We tend to focus mainly on skin color, but genetic diversity includes everything. For example, Africa, the continent, has the shortest people in the world. We call them pygmies. Am I speaking the truth? Yes. Hence, look at diversity. The same continent has the tallest people in the world, the Watusis. Same continent. Our problem is that when we think of Africans, we only have color in mind. As a continent, we have Central Africa, East Africa, West Africa, South Africa, and North Africa. And the people there are very diverse. North Africans are not all dark with kinky hair, but they're all Africans. That blonde lady you see in the middle is a South African. They're all Africans. Well, let me tell you what color has done. You want to hear it? Color has said that if you are light with straight hair, you have certain privileges. And someone said, but what is white privilege? It is simply defined as having the benefit of the doubt. That is, when you tell the police something, I'm just here waiting on my mother, they're not going to believe something otherwise. You get the benefit of the doubt when you walk into a room. You get the benefit of the doubt when you walk into a courtroom. You get the benefit of the doubt when you walk into a classroom because you will be treated differently. In part one of the series, I told you that the descendants of Shem could be found in the Middle East, in countries like Israel, Bahrain, Kuwait, Iraq, Yemen, and Saudi Arabia. Japheth's children migrated to Europe, whose descendants can be found in countries like Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, Scandinavia, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Greenland, Norway, Holland, Belgium. Ham did not venture far. He stayed by the river Nile. But the scripture reading says that when you look at his descendants, he produced Cush, and Cush produced Nimrod. The first mighty warrior of the land was a man of color. The Egyptians, who were the descendants of Ham, were so clever and brilliant that they mummified their dead. And even today at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, they're still trying to figure out how they did it. 
We live with a lot of distortions. Marcus Garvey said, a people without knowledge of their past history, origin and culture is like a tree without roots. Why Black History Month? Why stand in the pulpit? Because every child of God needs to know that he or she has worth. We live in a world that constantly says, one group, you don't have worth. Our language amazes me. A person can tell, Brother Enos, a bold-faced black lie. While another person can simply tell a little white lie. Black lives matter. And white lies matter. If we keep misdiagnosing the disease. We'll be never be able to treat it. And so we could never cure it. Why Black History Month? Again, let me quote Garvey. If as a people, if we as a people realize the greatness from which we came, let me slow down to say this with emphasis. If we as a people realize the greatness from which we came, we would be less likely to disrespect ourselves. We're not going to walk around looking anyhow, anyway. We'll take pride in the way we present ourselves we would be less likely to disrespect ourselves. It's one thing for someone to disrespect me. That's bad. But it's worse if I disrespect myself. And if we could only take time to read God's word we'll discover that God never cursed any race. I want somebody to say amen to that. Amen. God never cursed any race. There are those who insist that blacks can only shine in the world of athletics and entertainment. The achievements of blacks are mainly told in the context of the physical, or physicality rather, and not intelligence. Stephen Gold, in his book, The Measure of Man, highlights, and this is interesting, an exhibit in the British Museum on display in that museum, in a jar, is the brain of Pierre Paul Broca, a French physician. 
And those who are studying neurology would know about the Broca area in the brain, named after him, on the left side of the brain, which deals with aphasia, is the first time they were able to localize language in the brain. This man did something great. And so in the British Museum, Broca is right there. His brain is there on display. You want to hear something? Right next to Broca's brain is a jar of, a, of genitals of a black man. What do you think is the message they are sending? Broca, the white guy, his brain, the black guy is his genitals. Well, if you study some more about Broca, you will discover, and we got to be very careful, a person may be good at something and is right, but it doesn't mean they're right at everything. This same Broca went on to study comparing man with apes. And he concluded through his study of craniotopy on the cranium that blacks are an in between between whites and apes. So whites at the top, then you have blacks, but they're just not the same as whites. Comparative anatomy, primates and humans. And he proposed that Negroes were an intermediate form between apes and Europeans. Here is something about Braca. He saw each racial group as its own species. This is the same guy that gave us the Braca area. Because someone is good at something, it doesn't mean they're right about everything. He saw each racial group as its own species and believed that racial mixing eventually led to sterility. His brain is displayed in the British Museum. That if a black man and a white woman or a white woman and a black man get together, eventually they would be sterile. This is what Brocker believed. Again, I quote Garvey. Intelligence rules the world. Ignorance carries the burden. Intelligence rules the world. Ignorance carries the burden. Where do we live, everybody? Where do we live in this audience? In these United States. And we have something we say about America. We call it what? The home of the what? Free? The home of the brave and the land of the free. In this land of the free and home of the brave, there is a move to keep us in ignorance, Elder Wright, have you ever heard of critical race theory? Do you know what it actually says? Well, let me share what it says. 
Critical race theory asserts that race is not a natural, biologically grounded feature of physically distinct groups of subhumans, but a socially constructed, culturally intended category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Critical race theorists hold that racism is inherent in the law and legal institutions of the United States, insofar as they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially African Americans. Critical race theorists are focused on the goal of eliminating, this is the goal, of eliminating all race-based or unjust hierarchies. But this cannot be achieved if we fail to, to identify structural racism. Translation, critical race theory is simply saying we as a nation have to come to grips with the fact how race has been used and continues to be used in the society in which we live. Have you ever heard of redlining? You go for a mortgage, you get a higher mortgage rate on no basis other than the fact that you belong to a particular race. And in Florida and Virginia and in Texas and other states, they are actually banning critical race theory from being taught in schools. The reason being, and get this, they say that it makes white people uncomfortable to hear as to how structural racism is. Well, if it makes white people uncomfortable, what do you think it does to blacks? So the idea is to ban it. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we are banning. We pride ourselves in the First Amendment, freedom of speech. We are hypocritical. It reminds me of one of our very own, Dr. Ben Carson, great neurosurgeon but who went on national TV to say that when selecting a president, character doesn't matter. Really? Character doesn't matter, and as a result, we had January 6th. People being thrown in prison for six and seven years, and six people died from January 6th. One woman was shot dead, a police officer, Sicknick, was killed, and four people committed suicide. As a result, let me ask you this question. Just give me a few more minutes. Let me ask you this question. And you don't have to answer aloud, but just in your head. What do you think would have happened if a group of black people 
had been at the Capitol on January 6th. What you think would have happened? I can tell you that no elected official would have referred to it as a peaceful protest. Now, let me be very clear. Not all the protesters were violent. Some actually believed the big lie that an election was stolen. What is interesting is that Ginny Thomas, the wife of Justice Clarence Thomas, still maintains that the election was stolen. This is after 60 plus court challenges and 60 plus victories. Court after court after court, count after count after count, and yet there are those who still want to ride that big lie. And some of them belong to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I don't know if you saw Dr. Carson supporting, what's the name of that guy? Herschel. He obviously maybe subscribes to the view that character doesn't matter. It matters who tells the history. Let me hasten to bring it to something that is very interesting. John is sitting on the Isle of Patmos and he made us get a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus, he sees, and John, Don, is describing Jesus. And, and this description is consistent with what Daniel saw in vision, describing the ancient of days. Daniel said, when he saw God, he had eyes of fire and hair white as wool. John, centuries later, on the Isle of Patmos says he saw Jesus and he had eyes of fire and hair white as wool. Now let me be very clear. We are all wrong if we're trying to say Jesus looks like us. We can't contain our Jesus. He's too big. He should, we don't have words or intelligence to make Jesus like us. But the problem is, why we, while we can't do that, tell me why every time we see something of Jesus, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. That seems like a far cry from here, white as wool and eyes of fire. It matters who tells the story. It matters who tells the story. My last Marcus Garvey quote, Sister Josephine. And I gotta be very careful with this one because it's not a knock upon 
women or men and their styles, but just the emphasis. Garvey said that instead of trying to take the kink out of our hair, we should try to take it out of our brains. Because that's where the kink is. Well, they say that we are cursed. But here's what God says. Psalm 139. For you formed me. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can somebody say amen? amen. Whatever your color, whatever the texture of your hair, God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I was young, a boy, I used to be concerned about the size of my nose. I'm thankful to God that I can breathe a little better now. More air can pass through it. I want it straight. You may think this is, this has an impact. And I, I dare not speak upon the dead, but when you think of what Michael did to himself, with all those surgeries, trying to get a look, and how many people go under the surgery trying to look a certain way. Well, I want to remind us today with the psalmist, for you, God, for me, you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. To my white brothers and sisters, God formed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't believe the lie that you're better because of the color of your skin or the texture of your hair. My black brothers and sisters, God formed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't buy the lie that says, as a people, you're cursed. God never cursed anybody. I don't know about you today, but I want to make a commitment to God today that I would not allow myself to think that I'm less than anyone else. I also want to commit myself that I'm not better than anyone else. Because all of us stand equal at the foot of the cross. That's where it matters. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Throw the curse out. We hurt God when we walk around telling and behaving and thinking as if woe is me because of the color of my skin. Would you want to stand in commitment today 
that Jesus makes us all equal at the foot of the cross. You don't have to buy a blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus. He's too good to be make himself like any one of us. Father in heaven, we live in a world with structures. It is not by accident that one group is kept behind. Legislations and laws and rules are so written to keep one group in its place. May we not begin to tear each other up because of the structures of others. Stop the violence, the gang violence. People behaving East Coast and West Coast don't love each other, not recognizing the structural racism that is there. We know this can only become change if we accept that Jesus is our all in all. Maybe there's someone here today who's hearing for the first time his or her worth in Jesus. And you want to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you so that I know my place, which is I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If this is your commitment to Christ, raise your hand wherever you are today. Lord, I'm saying yes, praise God. God, praise God. I'm committing myself to the fact that I have self-worth because Jesus paid it all. And because of Jesus, I don't have to walk around wishing I look like anybody else. Help me, Jesus. Let me walk with some pride. Let me walk with my head high because I am your child. Teach us black and white, Asian, Hispanic, that all of us came from these three brothers, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And even though people have tried to tell the story that excludes the significance of blacks in the Bible, may we remember that in Christ, we are all one. Bless us to this end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.